John 15, what a great passage that we're in here today. And we come now in the Gospel of John to the seventh I am statement that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. And these are profound, powerful, impactful statements that Jesus makes. So here's what he says there in John 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine. So here's what we're going to be looking at as we break down this passage. And, well, I, okay. First of all, the real vine, verse 1 to 3. The reason for the vine, verse 4 to 6. And the results of abiding in the vine. And in the first service, I didn't get through it all. All right. So we're not going to finish all the way up to verse 8. So we'll just... Ah, it's good. Listen, there's a lot of good stuff just in those first few verses. So don't worry. You're not missing anything. Well, you are. No, you are missing something. But we'll get it next. You got to be back here next week. All right? Okay? There you go. Okay. So, I'm the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser, the seventh I am statement. Now, just for a little bit of a, a quiz, I love to test you guys. Um, who can show me or, or say the other six I am statements in the Gospel of John? Shout out one of them to me, somebody. I'm the way, the truth, and life. All right. John chapter 14, verse 6. Great. What's another one? Woo. Wow. All right. We, I need an interpretation. We, somebody spoke in tongues. I need an interpreter on that one. Okay, say that again slowly over here. I am what? I am the light of the world. There you go. Yep. Okay, that's good. That's a, a, a clear statement. That's not one of the I am statements in the Gospel of John. Thank you. I'm the good shepherd. There you go. John chapter 10. Yeah, in the back. I am the bread of life. John chapter 5. Oh, boom. Yes, John chapter 11, I'm the resurrection and the life. Did we get them all? No, there's one more you're missing. Oh, Renee, good job, pulled it out. Anchor woman right there, okay. All of you get a hand for that, you guys did good. I don't know if the first service got them all, but you guys, I think, got them all. So, let me put them up here, again, just as a refresher, here's what we're seeing in the Gospel of John, because John is writing, Jesus making these statements, And these are powerful, impactful statements. As I said, I'm the bread of life, the light of the world, the door or the gate of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection of life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And here we see I am the true vine. These are important statements, you see, because Jesus is declaring himself to be God. He is claiming deity. And John is writing the whole gospel of John to show that Jesus is the son of God and that by believing in him, you may have life, in his name. He's the only one that can provide that life, that can give that life. So this is why John is writing to declare the deity of God. He records seven I am statements that are only in the gospel of John. These aren't seen in any of the gospels. Only John is focusing on these seven I am statements that Jesus makes. And when Jesus makes these statements, he is revealing himself to be 
All that we need, you see. Look at what, what we read here. Each I am statement represents a particular relationship of Jesus to the spiritual needs of humans. Their, their light and darkness, right? Their entrance into security and fellowship. Their guide and protector in life. Their hope and death. Their certainty and perplexity. And their source of vitality for productiveness. He desires that people should receive him, not simply for what he might give them, but for what he might be to them. So Jesus is saying, whatever you need, whatever your need might be, I am the one to be that for you. I am the one that's going to provide for that need. I'm the one that is going to help you and strengthen you and provide all that you are lacking in life. It's going to be found in me because I am. And of course, you know, that statement, I am, was given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. When God meets with Moses at the burning bush. And Moses saying, God, who shall I say send me? I got to have some kind of authority behind me. If I'm going to go and lead these people, who shall I say sends me? And God says, I am that I am. This is where this comes from. It's the very name that God used in describing himself and giving that to Moses. I am. And we've oftentimes referred to that as as Yahweh, that, that proper name of God, Yahweh or, or Jehovah. So here Jesus, in the Greek it's ego e me, it's, it's this term I am for Yahweh. Jesus is declaring himself to be God. In fact, the name for God, which the Jews wrote, not as Yahweh, Y-A-H-W-E-H, as we would oftentimes refer to it as, they only went with the consonants, Y-H-W-H. Y-H-W-H, the tetragrammaton of God. And it's an interesting word. There's no vowels used. As you see, there's four consonants only. Y-H-W-H, very interesting. Because they're the only consonants in the Hebrew alphabet that are not articulated with lips or the tongue. Rather, this word is to be breathed with the tongue relaxed and lips apart. These aspirated consonants, this name of God, was meant to imitate or replicate breath. So when they would say Yahweh, it would be like saying Yahweh. Yahweh. It was like breathing in. The very sustenance that you need just to live would be claiming, calling out the name of God. God, you're what I need just to live. You're everything. You are the I am. Yahweh. That's who I need, God. Jesus, you're the one. You're the one that I need just to have every need met, just to be able to function and live and breathe. It's all found. It's all wrapped up in you, Jesus. And so as we move through this passage here in John chapter 15, we're going to be seeing how Jesus is identifying himself as the one that provides the life, the sustenance, all that we need to be nourished, fed, strengthened, and by which we function and live. It's all found in and through Jesus. The very name and identity of Jesus is what we're holding on to for the basic sustainability of life. I love that. So good. Think about that. Even, even the atheists who use arguments to discredit God in their very argument are breathing in the very name of God. They're proclaiming God just by breathing and trying to make their argument. How cool is that? So listen, getting back to our passage, Jesus says something important here. Other than the fact that he is Yahweh, that he is I am. He says, I am the true vine. 
Now we're going to talk a little bit about what that means, what that, what that looks like. But when he says, I'm the true vine, he's obviously making a statement to show that there are other false counterfeit vines. When he says, I'm the true vine, he's saying that to show in comparison to what else is out there, those things don't provide what you need. Those things aren't going to lead you into a a closer fellowship or relationship with God. I'm the true vine. I'm the only way that you're going to be connected to God. Now, what are the other false vines that we might see? Well, in Old Testament writings, we see that Israel was seen as a vine that God had planted in his vineyard. But instead of growing good fruit, it produced bad fruit. We see that in various passages, Psalm chapter 80, in Isaiah chapter 5, in Jeremiah chapter 2, and in Hosea chapter 10, Jeremiah 2 verse 21, for instance, says, yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? Isaiah 5 talks about how he called Israel to produce good grapes, but they produced bad grapes or bad fruit. So Israel was a choice vine, a chosen vine that was planted in God's vineyard. And you see, they began to walk away from the true elements of what it meant to be this vine and to be connected to God. So here's what's really going on in the statements. Jesus is declaring himself to be the true vine, the only true link to being in fellowship with God. In other words, the path to God Fellowship with God does not come through the nation of Israel. It goes through Jesus. You don't need to become a citizen of Israel to be right with God. You need to be a disciple of Jesus that's connected to the vine, you see. Jesus says, you might think that your source to God is going to be found through a system or a religion or a people group. But no, it's found in me, Jesus says. I'm the true vine. Think about what Jesus has been seeing and witnessing during his life on earth. He's been seeing the Jewish leaders, right? Leading people into Judaism, into a religious works-based environment. People come and ask, how can I get connected to God? Their answer as religious leaders was, well, you got to follow the law. You got to become a Jew, right? And so they would lead them into a works-based religiosity that provided no life for them, no fruit for them. And they would say, hey, you know, do what I say, Don't do what I do, because I'm not doing it myself either. In fact, I'm much of a hypocrite here. So do as I say, don't do as I do. They weren't even doing it themselves as religious leaders. And so Jesus is saying, you're not finding what you need in that. It's not providing life. It's not providing closeness, intimacy with God. It's dead works, dead religion. In fact, even as he's been speaking... Perhaps Jesus right now with his disciples as he's having this great discourse with his disciples over these last remaining chapters in John. Even now he's perhaps walking through the hustle and the bustle going on in Jerusalem. Because remember it's Passover feast. And so the crowds are swelling in Jerusalem. And remember what we read at the end of chapter 14. The last word spoken there. Jesus says as they're gathered in the upper room. He says arise let us go from here. So Jesus is leading his disciples Out of the upper room now, and he's making his way, we know, to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's going to be arrested, up there on the Mount of Olives. So he's passing through Jerusalem. And even as he's passing through Jerusalem, walking with his disciples, continuing on in this discourse here, perhaps he's walking by the temple, and there on the on the temple on some of the doors, there would be these these vines, these decorative vines there on the temple doors. And perhaps he's looking at this, going, Listen, guys. I'm the true vine. Perhaps he's walking by vineyards as they're making their way up on the Mount of Olives. 
And he's saying, see the grapes here, guys? See the vines? Listen, I'm the true vine. Jesus, walking with his disciples, pointing out various aspects and illustrations right there before them, all around them, to point them into a deeper and closer relationship with him. And all that he has provided for them as being this true vine. The point is that what Jesus is speaking of was perhaps the very backdrop for what they were seeing before them. And as they passed the crowds, even the religious activities that were going on right there, the backdrop of vines and vineyards, Jesus says, being connected to God is not going to come through a system of religion or works or through that kind of, of act. It's through a relationship with me. It's through being connected to me. And he's going to expound on that in these next few verses that we're going to look at here today. But notice here, still, still in verse 1, we'll get to the other stuff in a bit here, but um, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So notice that here. Jesus says it's about being connected to me, but it's God that's doing this work. The vine dresser is the one that's tending to the vineyard right? He's the one doing the work. The vine dresser tends to the vines like a gardener in his garden. How many people like to garden? Any gardeners here? Okay. I'm going to need you guys next Saturday at my place because we're doing a lot of tree planting. Uh, 60 trees that we got to plant. So, you know, anyways, 10 o'clock at my house. So, um, 407-4240 street. Um, but you know when you're gardening, you're out there. And what's happening is you're getting your hands in the soil. You're getting hands in the, in, the, in the whatever you garden. I don't know. The dirt. Yeah, it's the soil. The dirt. The, all the stuff. You're gardening. You're in there, right? And this is what God is doing, you see? He's the one that's doing that work here of, of gardening and tending and doing that. He's inspecting how we're doing. And when you're gardening, you got you to do some weeding. You got to do some pruning. You got to do some clipping. You're tending to your watering. You're doing all that. That's what God, the vine dresser, is doing. So how does he go about doing that? Well, look at what we read here in verse 2. It says this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. When Jesus says, he prunes or he takes away speaking about God the Father. Every branch in me, right, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So right now you're looking at that going, oh boy, oh, how am I, how am I doing here? Am I, am I a branch that's bearing fruit? Is God ready to take me away? Am I one of those guys that's going to be plucked away? Like, oh no, what's going on here? Listen, don't, don't stress out. Let me, let me break this down. There'll be enough time to stress out over verse 6, which... You'll, we'll get to, not this Sunday, but next Sunday here. We'll worry about that when that comes. But there'll be comfort and encouragement even there in verse 6. If you're reading ahead, I know you're reading it right now, aren't you? Listen, eyes up here. Stop reading ahead. Because it's going to freak you out when you read verse 6. But there's comfort coming, okay? Don't worry about it. So give it to the Lord here. But listen, here's the deal. When Jesus says, he who does not bear fruit, he takes away well a lot of people looked at that and said yeah he's he's going to just remove you're going to be plucked away you're, you're done i'm bearing fruit in other words you better be bearing fruit you better be picking up your game a little bit here and we all sit here and we go am i being fruity enough am i am i bearing fruit i don't know if i'm if i'm if i yeah that's the wrong term to use let's not fruitful all right okay 
So you're, you're, you're looking at that going, am I being fruitful enough? Am I really carrying this out? And here's the thing is that that word takes away. I think in what we're looking at here, and, and I want to break it down this way because I think this is what really fits here. That term can also be translated as lifts up. You see, what happens when you've got a, you know, a vineyard or you're growing fruit, grapes, right? Um, man, we had somebody bringing grapes the other week. Was that from your place, Muhammad? Or do you just pick them out of, neighbor, out of neighbor's yard or something? They leaned so you get them. That's great. Okay. We ate forbidden fruit, everybody. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's trouble. Okay. Listen. It's all good. We'll repent later. But right now, listen. Um, when you're growing grapes, right? Um, sometimes those branches, they get either weighed down by the branches above them. They start, they start dropping down, right? They start not being able to produce the fruit that they need to because they're getting blocked out, even blocked out by the sun. So what needs to happen is that you need to come along and you need to lift up those branches. You need to expose them to the, the sunlight, to the, the very nutrients that they're going to get in order to bear fruit. You see, God's not a God that's looking at you going, are you bearing enough fruit? Are you doing enough work for me? Oh man, you know what? You're not cutting it. You're done. I'm done with you. You're out of here. God's not that God. God doesn't act that way. God's a loving God and he's gracious. And he says, cast your cares upon me for I care, uh, uh, I care for you. You know, uh, if you humble yourself... He will lift you up, you see. So when we come to the Lord, sometimes we get just burdened down by life. You know, we get weighed down and we're struggling. Man, we love the Lord, but we're like, God, I'm really lacking right now and I need you. God wants to come alongside and lift you up and encourage you and and support you so that you might bear more fruit, you see. God's not looking to say, no, sorry, you're not cutting, you're done. So understand this idea of take away I think more readily fits with the idea as it's also translated as to lift up. God wants to support you so that you can bear more fruit. And then here's another way that he also comes alongside is that, that gardener, that vine dresser, is that it says that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So again, you look at that and you go, okay, there's times where we need to get a little bit of pruning and cutting away. And those of you that like to do some gardening, you, you know that at times you need to cut back that bush. You need to prune that bush so that all those branches that might be sucking all the life out of the source and robbing other branches, and sometimes those branches that are sucking all life still aren't producing much, you cut them away so that those other branches can become even more healthy. Suddenly you start to prune things and also you see this thing just come alive. You're like, whoa. Multiplication by subtraction, in a sense. Like, wow, that's so cool how that works. So sometimes we need to be, again, having things clipped away. God wants to come alongside and say, hey, here's some areas in your life that are holding you back, that are keeping you from really growing in and walking in the life that I have for you. But that word pruning also means more than just cutting away. It means cleansing. Cleansing. You see, again, as those branches begin to kind of come down on the on the ground there they get very dirty they get down on the ground, and they don't they don't do well there now i don't want to overwhelm you with my vast horticulture knowledge here today but grapes you see are not like pumpkins or squash pumpkins or squash are right at home in the dirt so just let me hang out in the dirt here i'm going to grow i'm going to produce no problem grapes are not going to be that way again they need to be cleaned they need to be lifted up so that they can 
bear more fruit, that they can be more productive, that they can be more healthy. This is what our vine dresser, our heavenly father is doing for us. Out of love, out of care, he comes alongside and he tends to us so that we might be even more walking in life and vibrancy and health that he has for us. Isn't that good? This is a wonderful God that we serve. Because you can read verse 2 and go, oh man, God, can you deal with them over there? They're a little bit less fruitful than I am. Take care. Cut away on them, Lord. Don't, don't do that to me right now. We read verse 2 and we think, oh, this is so negative, this is so harsh. But understand, this is a loving God. Not hurting, but helping and encouraging more growth. Doing what he can to aid in our livelihood, in our health, in our fruitfulness. This is what God is doing for us. So, he lifts up, he cleans. What's the cleaning agent that he uses? Well, it's so good to just go through the word because I could come up with some really neat answers, but it's right there for us here in verse 3. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. You see, it's the word of God here that becomes a, a cleaning agent in a sense for us. That's why we love to go through the word of God here on Sundays as we do verse by verse, chapter to chapter. We get the whole counsel of God's word because this is what provides that cleansing. It begins to point us to the heart of the father. It begins to cause us to be aligned to what his will is, his heart is for us, his desires in our lives. And it begins to show us where we're out of line, but also how to get in line with God. And we're cleansed through it. In fact, Psalm 119, verse 911 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. There in verse 11, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then in Ephesians 5, verse 23, That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. It's the word of God. You see? And so we need to be daily getting into the word of God. Getting the very heart of God. Getting God's heart and his word into our own heart. Because it has a cleansing effect in our lives. Keeps us in line where we can be those that begin to bear even greater fruit. More fruit, you see. So we're lifted up. We're cleansed through the word of God that we might bear fruit. But perhaps you're sitting here today and thinking, you know, I just, I don't feel that fruitful. I feel like I'm lacking. Perhaps it has something to do with your proximity to Jesus. Look at what we read here in verse 4. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. Jesus says simply, abide in me and I in you. He gives a direction there. Abide. If you want to be fruitful, here's the deal. Stop trying to produce fruit. Because that's oftentimes the go-to, the default position of our heart is, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to try harder, I got to do more. The default position of our heart is, is religion. It's works. Jesus says, stop trying to be fruitful and just Abide. It's really quite simple, isn't it? Didn't he make it very easy for us? He said, man, I got great things in store for you. I want to use you. I want you to be productive. But what you have to worry about is simply just being in me. 
abiding in me, having fellowship, having intimacy, having relationship with me. Jesus knows these are not things that we can do in and of ourselves, you see. The branch doesn't bear fruit of itself, right? I can take a branch off of a tree, off of a fruit tree, rip that branch, bring it to you on a Sunday, say, hey, check this branch out, man. Go, that's going to be so fruitful for you. Go take that home and, and just pick all the fruit. No, wait a second. As soon as I remove it from the source, it's not going to be productive any longer. The branch has to be connected to the source. Here the illustration is of Jesus, the vine, the true vine, by which we, as branches, are connected to, to find all that we need for life, for sustainability, for fruitfulness. The word abide simply means to remain. Remain in Jesus. Be in Jesus. Don't ever leave Jesus. Don't walk away from Jesus. Don't ever feel like you got it now on your own. Remain in Jesus. You see, salvation, we come to Jesus at salvation and we're like, man, I need you. I recognize I'm a sinner. Jesus, you died on a cross to forgive me of my sin. And so I repent and I turn my life over to you, Jesus. I'm saved. That's great. We all recognize we need Jesus. But here's the thing. Sometimes people see salvation as like the finish line. Oh, I'm in. I'm good. Now I'm just going to go all my life and kind of have Jesus in the back pocket and just kind of do what I need to do and all will be well. But Jesus says, you need to remain in me. You need to abide in me. Salvation is not the finish point. It's the starting point. Jesus is there at salvation. He's the middle point. He's the finish line. He's everything in between. Everything that we do in, in, in our Christian life is about Jesus and for Jesus to where we are constantly remaining in and abiding in Jesus because we understand that we're not going to be able to do anything apart from Jesus. We are not going to be productive in our Christian lives if we don't remain in Jesus. To remain in Jesus, to abide in Jesus, to be living in constant communion with Jesus. It means in whatever you're doing through the week, you're thinking about Jesus. You're doing it with a desire to glorify Jesus. Whatever relationship you're in, whatever, whatever job you're doing, whatever activity, whatever place you might be at, whatever people you're around, you're going, Jesus, let me shine for you. Let me live right now in a moment to glorify you, to reflect your light, Jesus. Let me live with that consciousness that you're with me and you want to you wanna redeem this moment. You want to use this moment for you, Jesus, that's abiding in Jesus where everything we do is about Jesus. You see, too often we think about abiding in Jesus, I believe, when we come to church. We come to church, we're like, oh boy, it's Sunday. Come to the house of the Lord. Boy, we're going to abide in Jesus today. And we put on our, our Christian face. We do our Christian works and we're like, abide in Jesus. And the rest of the week, Jesus is not on our mind. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about other churches. You guys are doing really well. It's other people. And not everybody. But there's times where people live their life that way. And you know people, I'm sure you've, you've been around people like that. Where you're like, you're a Christian, you, but everything I'm seeing through the week has no resemblance of a disciple of Jesus. Too often people are coming to church thinking, this is it. This is the moment I abide in Jesus. And the rest of the week, I... Abide in my stuff. I do my thing. I'm, I'm about me, you see. Abiding in Jesus is living every moment Amen. for Jesus, in Jesus, with Jesus. 
And that's the beauty of it, that he is present with us. As we saw last week in John 14, that he sent his Holy Spirit as a helper to be with us and to be in us. And now to overpower us so that we can redeem every moment, live every moment for Jesus and with Jesus. He wants to be present. He wants you to be abiding in him and him to be abiding in you. Think about your week this past week. Have you been abiding in Jesus? Has he been just a sporadic thought here and there? Or have you been abiding in Jesus where every moment is being lived to say, Jesus, I want to use this moment for you. I want to live in you. I want to be about you, Jesus, in all that I do and all that I say, wherever I am, wherever I go, whoever I'm with. I want to be about you, Jesus. My life is wrapped up in you. I'm abiding in you. Has that been kind of the heart, your mind this past week? And I don't ask that to bring condemnation or to bring judgment, not at all. But to get us to thinking, am I abiding in Jesus? Because this is the offer on the table. This is what Jesus is saying. If you abide in me, you're going to be fruitful. Your life is going to take on a whole greater meaning. It's going to have far greater worth when you're abiding in me. It's not meant to Bring judgment because the Lord's sitting right here saying, what's holding you back? What's troubling you? I want to I lift you up. I want to cleanse you. I want to see you bearing fruit. God's going to help us in that. He has begun a good work. You know, so be faithful to complete until the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. He's not giving up on you. He's not ready to cut you away. He wants to do what he can to cause you to bear fruit. Are you abiding in him? But please understand something. I want you to catch this. I want you to get this. Being fruitful is not something you muster up in and of yourselves. If we're trying to produce fruit on our own, then we're going to resemble a factory more than we are a vineyard. A factory produces lots of smoke, steam, noise. But a vineyard, it's not like that at all. I had a chance to be up in... In Naramata a couple weekends ago with some of the, the young people from the church here. Anybody been in Naramata before? All right. I've never been in Naramata before and I'm driving along and I'm just going, this is amazing. There's like vineyard after vineyard after vineyard, right? So all you people that said you've been in Naramata before, I know what you were doing. That's okay. We'll, we'll pray for you later. It's all good. I'm kidding. But vineyard after vineyard. And guess what? I notice as I'm driving through and I'm literally seeing vineyard after vineyard after vineyard, I'm recognizing I don't see a lot of noise activity. I don't see a lot of smoke, steam. I just see peace, pleasantness. I'm like, this is beautiful. That's the vineyard. That's the result of abiding in Jesus is not work and sweat trying to make this happen. The fruit, the grapes in a vineyard are not sitting there striving to become better, more full, more plump. They're not sitting there going, oh, we got to try harder. They're saying, no, we just hang out in the vine and the vine does the work. That's what we do with Jesus. We just hang out with Jesus and say, Jesus, here I am. I want to be connected to you because it's through you that I receive all the nutrients and life source that I need to be fruitful. You do the work. I just have to be with you. I just have to be connected to you, Jesus. That's the vineyard, you see. It's peaceful, it's pleasant, it's fruitful. 
We're not pushing and straining to bear fruit. Our job is simply to be connected to the vine. He's the one that brings forth the fruit. And too often we think, okay, oh man, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being fruitful enough. Okay, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do more. And we get into that mode so often. You need to stop yourselves from that. You need to say what Jesus says. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We don't do it in ourselves. As much as we want to try. And, and I know as much as that's a, a good notion, it's a good thought to say, yes, I'm going to try harder. Stop trying and just start abiding. Being in Jesus. Focusing on Jesus. Spending time with Jesus. That's all you have to do. And the fruit begins to come naturally because fruit is not something that's a, a work of man. In fact, what is the fruit? Well, let's look at that. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Well, there's lots of scriptures we can talk about. The fruit, the fruit uh, of our lips and praise before God, the, the fruit of holiness. There's all these things. But in a nutshell, you can look at these things and go, here's the fruit that we as disciples of Jesus should be producing. Now notice here, Paul in Galatians 5, he makes a contrast between the works of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit. Again, works and fruit is as much of a comparison as a factory to a vineyard. Works, what do you think of works? Is It's by the sweat of your brow. It's like, man, something you got to really go hard after and try and, and put a lot of effort into. That's work. Paul says, that's the works of the flesh. That's something that comes very naturally and easy to us. Those are the, the human tendencies, our fleshly tendencies that just oftentimes come out. They're the works of the flesh and they just happen very naturally. But the fruit of the Spirit is not natural. It's not something we don't produce in ourselves. We don't, we don't just appear on earth and we're just naturally loving and kind, patient. I mean, come on, right? Like, no, these aren't natural things that we just start living in. Some of you might have a a bit more of a propensity for those things, but there's one of these areas here that are naturally, or, or just, they're going to be a struggle. Because it's not in us, it's not natural. It takes the, the Spirit coming in and doing that work in us. It's a supernatural work. And so we recognize, why should I even try to produce that which I can't even produce if I strain and try? It's about abiding in Jesus. He does the work. Fruit must grow out of life. It must be connected to a life source. And it's through us being connected to the true vine. The only life source that's going to produce these things in us that we desire to see produced. He's the only way. He's the only source. It's through Jesus Christ. By which we're going to bear fruit. And unless we're connected to Jesus, we can do nothing. Notice he says there at the end of verse 5, without me you can do nothing. Now think about that for a second. Because we all do lots of things, don't we? Without me you can do nothing? Well, I, I do a lot of things. Right now, you're sitting here listening to, you know, a, a sermon. You're doing a good and great thing. Listening to a good and great preacher. You're doing, you're doing something right now. You're, you're involved in something right now. But here's the thing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Here's the thing. Jesus says, if it's not about me, or with me, or for me, 
it really equates to nothing. We can find ourselves doing things. But are they things that are honoring to the Lord, that are glorifying God, that are with God, for God, in God? Because it's only that that's going to bear fruit, that's going to mean something. Without me, you can do nothing. And, and in a sense, he's like saying, without me, you do nothing. It has no worth. It has no value. It's not going to be something that has eternal reward or value to it. We need Jesus. If we're going to do that, which is going to glorify him, we need to be dependent on him. Now, here's the thing. We all read truth like this and and oftentimes we'll come across the word and we'll see truth like this and go yes and we'll shout out amen but it's one of these things that we get up here but doesn't always get lived out in our lives because again we so readily move towards oh no i got this i i i I, i'm so comfortable putting things into cruise control and just going for it and just doing it and not really doing it with that Every day, every hour, every minute consciousness of it being for Jesus, with Jesus, in Jesus. That's abiding. That's remaining in him. And if we're not doing that, then whatever you're doing, Jesus says it's, it's nothing. It has no value, no worth to it. Only that which is done for him is that which is going to last. Now, I want you to look at the, the progression we see here in these few verses that we looked at this morning. We're going to wrap it up right now, but this progression here in verse 2, he says that, you know, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, so there's bearing fruit at the, or sorry, in the middle of verse 2, he who takes away in every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 5, we see that you'd bear much fruit. So we've got bearing fruit, verse 2. At the end of verse 2, we've got more fruit. And in verse 5, we've got much fruit. See, there's a progression there. Jesus wants us to be continually growing in and recognizing, man, there's always more fruit to come. In other words, we never get content or at a place where we say, oh man, I've done pretty good. I've lived quite a fruitful life. I'm ready just to kind of hang out now and just be a branch. Now Jesus says, I desire more fruit and much fruit. There's always room to grow. There's always more areas that we can be fruitful in. And again, that's not through striving, doing the work. That's through just abiding in Jesus. Have you found that the more that you abide in Jesus, the more that you just learn of him and grow in him, the more he just reveals himself and the more growth comes in your own life? It's a, it's a sweet thing to where we can't exhaust the wonder of God. The glories of Jesus, we can't exhaust that. But we just pray we keep being fruitful, more fruit, much fruit. That's a progression Jesus asked for us. And I pray that you are leaving here today now recognizing I got to stop striving. I got to stop thinking that I've got to clean myself up. I got to do the work. I got to produce fruit. Stop striving and start abiding. Remaining in Jesus. 
being about Jesus. He does the work. Go and be fruitful, church. But let that fruit come as a natural, supernatural result of abiding in Jesus, the true vine. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now. We're going to take some time to do just that. And, and I'm excited for some of the activities we have coming up at church where we're going to have opportunities to do this. We're going to, we're going to be doing a, a once a month prayer and worship night. And uh, that's a time just to abide in Jesus, to meet with him, to grow in him. That's going to be happening this Wednesday. I hope you guys can come. We're going to have some opportunities of discipleship and, and evangelism training where, again, we can be equipped and just growing in the things of the Lord, desiring to carry out this fruit for Him. And so, take part in these things. Give opportunity in your life to be abiding in Jesus and growing in Him. We're going to do that right now. I'm going to ask you guys to stand and we're going to close with a, a song or two here this morning and just to wait on the Lord, to worship Him. I'm going to invite our prayer teams to come and make themselves available in the front. And if you're here today and you need prayer, maybe your, your desire is, yeah, I just, I, I, I want to not be hindered in any way of just abiding in Jesus. Would you come and receive prayer from these individuals here? Maybe it's something else you're going through. I'll, these times here, even while we're singing, I know it's sometimes awkward to come down the front, but we all need it. And so as we worship, just come and make your way down to the front and receive prayer from those that will be here to pray with you. We love you and we want to be a, a help to you and come alongside you as support and strength and encouragement as we pray one to another and look to Jesus as we abide in Jesus together here. All right. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for the truth that you are the true vine and it's simply by abiding in you that we're going to receive all that we need. So I pray that we'd be doing that. We'd be taking time, Lord, in everything that we're doing to be living for you and with you and in you, Jesus. So lead us on now, we ask in your name, Jesus, amen.